Hello, this is Steve Perryman, and on behalf of the rest of the team, I would like to thank you all for being such great supporters. This album is for you, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that was different eh and you weren't expecting that so welcome to the steve perryman podcast uh as per what you've just heard i'm not sure who sounded worse me with my 12 year old voice or ozzy's singing uh good job we could both play and therefore not dependent on our vocal cords by the way, uh, that musical opening was from the Christmas LP that we made with Chas and Dave off the back of the, the cup final records, the great Chas and Dave. So the reason for, if you knew Ozzy, um, is because Ozzy Ardiles is the main man of the highlighted game, the Man United from the past that I'm, I've chosen to talk about. Third round of the cup, um, a glamour tie drawn. Uh, we played on the 5th of January, 1980. Spurs against Man United. Um, a dream tie and 45,000 plus people turned up to it. Uh, from my memory, it was a brilliant game as actually most games were with the, the bigger the crowd, the better the game, the better the atmosphere, the more noise, the more, you know, 22 plus players were turned on to, to perform. So we drew 1-1. One, one. Um, very unusually, I made our goal. And uh, I think I was playing from centre-back in those days, in that particular game and in the replay. So I made the goal with a free kick um, on an angle into their penalty box and managed to find Ozzy's head. How I did that, I don't know. Um, but I expect I was trying to keep the ball away from their big heads, for want of a better word, McQueen, Jordan, etc. I can only imagine that Ozzy was surprised as anyone that the ball arrived to his head because you don't normally attempt to find Aussie in the air. And even more surprised that it finished uh, nestling in the net, which gave us the 1-1 draw, and therefore the replay was necessary. As far as most people were concerned, well, the general opinion was that Spurs had missed their chance. If they're going to beat Man United, it would have to be at home. And eventful game, lots of chances. Um, but, but then with a, a packed house, noise, atmosphere, we, we actually did very well in the game. So it's a night game. It's a Wednesday. 
the replay, and we actually looked like we looked like we were capable of hurting them. So it was not always all one-way traffic, but the hot atmosphere was that we were we were you know gonna gonna go to our death on this night at, at Old Trafford. So it was hot atmosphere, and it was about to get a lot hotter. Second half, Cross comes in. He smashes into Milia Alexic, our goalkeeper, which knocked him out and concussed him. The bigger long-term problem for Milia was that uh, by being knocked out, uh, he had no control of his body. So when he hit the floor, uh, he did untold damage to his knee because you just fall like you've, you've been shot. You can't control anything. So he was stretched off. Um, so now this hot atmosphere got boiling hot. And we were there for, for taking to the cleaners. This, this team's going to steamroller us now. And if, if it's the type of game that you're listening to on the radio, you fear for your team because... Yes, subs on. So I spoke to Glenn about this today. Glenn Hoddle, he was the one who, who got picked to go in goal to replace Milia. You one substitute in those times, so you, you obviously don't have a goalkeeper because it doesn't normally happen. So the history of this was, which Glenn told me about today, that that happened three times to us during that season. First time was Leeds away. A win. The second one was Man United away. This turned into a win, this replay. And the third one was Norwich, where we drew. So Glenn Hoddle going in goal three times, and we didn't lose one of the games. So in his words, the first game against Leeds, I'm sorry I've veered off the subject to Man United, but it does lead back onto it. So Leeds United... I think Barry Danes needed to be substituted. So John Pratt runs on sub, as also he did at Man United. And John wanted to go in goal. And I said, apparently, this is Glenn's words, leave off, John, you're shorter than me. <laughs> so the fact that Glenn spoke up, I said, well, what about you, Glenn? And he said, yeah, okay, I used to, I used to, sort of practicing goal with my mates over the park, but I've never done, done it in a game as such. Anyway, he did, and he said in his words, he was cacking himself. So I suppose it's not so big a decision. The second time, which is this Man United replay with Melia Alexic having got carried off. So Glenn carries on uh, and tells me that very soon as after he takes over in goal, Man United win a corner. The pressure's intense. They get lots of corners. But the first one, Ray Wilkins goes out to take it and he is going to put it under the bar. He's going to put Glenn under extreme pressure. So I mentioned two names earlier to you, Gordon McQueen and Joe Jordan. They are stood almost on Glenn's toes, putting pressure on him. And Gordon McQueen says to Joe, Joe, are you going to hit him or am I? Joe said, no, I've hit the, the first goalkeeper. I'll hit the second one as well. 
Glenn's saying he's trying to make out that he didn't hear this. <laughs> so he's bouncing about trying to get out of the way. Anyway, Cross comes in under the bar. He said, I just shut my eyes and punched. I don't know what I punched, but all I do know is that the ball didn't end up in our net. So game carries on and draw after 90 minutes. We go into extra time. And there was something about that night that we, we had a chance almost from the first minute to the last. And it took to the last minute of extra time when Ricky was magnificent that night. Remember the run he made out of the long run he made when he scored the Man City final goal? Well, when we were under extreme pressure, the ball would go to Ricky and he'd run it 50 yards up the pitch and nothing would come of it, but he gave us a breather. So um, eventually Ricky does this and gets the ball to Aussie eventually, who I'm very surprised that he had enough breath left in his body because he ran miles that night, who unusually smashed this ball into the top far corner and put us through. So troops out there listening to this, hopefully some of you were there. You sampled the, the, the taste of victory that night. Um, again, I say it, that most people's general opinion was our chance had gone. Our goalkeeper gets stretched off. Well, one of our major playmakers is gone in goal. So that must take something away from our attacking instinct. But we ended up um, winning through and I think it was a famous victory. So just as an aside, before I pass on to Howard, Howard, are you there? Are you waiting? I'm here. Just, just as an aside, um, a friend of mine was there, Peter Bates. Peter went back to the hotel after the game. Um, we were staying up because we were playing at Main Road against Man City on the Saturday. Remember, this was a Wednesday night. So there was no point in going home and driving back again. And uh, he was there to have a drink with the staff and players went to bed. And Keith said during that bout of, of talk or drink or whatever it was, that, you know, what... Great players, those two players are, those two Argentinians. I just wish, I just wish they didn't smoke. And Peter said to him, Keith, on the strength of tonight, make all the players smoke. So I think, I think that's quite a nice round off to that story. So wonderful night, famous night for us all. Uh, was you there, Howard, at that game? No, I wasn't. Um... There was work and things at the time, that I meant, but I sure. remember the end of it was covered by the BBC. So yeah. we did see the, the closing bit. The highlights were on, on that night, weren't they, after the game? So, um, yeah, famous, uh, famous victory. Howard, what are you going to give us your memory of? I'm going back to Old Trafford again, this time in October 1972, where we played them in the league. And the result, if you can still believe it, was Manchester United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 4. Wow. And all four, players, all four goals were scored by one player, great Martin Peters. Oh, my word. I remember that. You played. Of course I do, yeah. Wonderful. Great player. So, looking at that again, the, the first goal was simply a ball straight down the middle 
Peters wasn't the fastest player, but his, his understanding of the game was so good that he was 10 yards ahead of the United players and threw and scored. He was, he was a great player, famously described by Alf Ramsey as 10 years ahead of his time. This became a weight on Martin's shoulders for the rest of his career. By this time, 72-73, Spurs had some success with winning the League Cup in 71 and 73, and in between the UEFA Cup in 1972. But a large amount of our supporters spend a great deal of time criticising individual players. John Pratt in the 60s and 70s suffered from it, and Martin Peters, strangely enough. I would waste my time defending the scapegoats by pointing out where they had done good things in the, my seats. It was a waste of breath, but I always felt that once the fans get it in their heads that a player is no good, they won't budge. Martin Peters, World Cup winner, was the most ridiculous player to be constantly criticised. I recall that terrible night when Arsenal clinched the league at White Hart Lane on the Monday night before the end of the season. With about 10 minutes to go, Peters headed the ball away off our goal line, ran forward, got right into, into their half of the pitch, saw Bob Wilson off his line and tried to chip him. The ball beat Wilson but hit the bar. The people around went crazy about how, Mark, how Peters was so awful. I tried to get them to understand how great he was, but their minds were closed and would remain so till he left. Which brings me back to October 72, when he scored all four in one game. Clearly a man was no good. Steve, do you remember that game? Well, he's a, he's a World Cup winner. That says, that says bundles about him. He was very good to me as a young player. Uh, giving me advice, uh, leading my game, different to his, of course. Uh, he was very much a thinker, Martin. And I think part of that crowd reaction or negative reaction to him was that, that um, whereas, whereas it suited my game to go into the 50-50 tackle and hopefully most times come through with the ball, um, when you're doing that sort of tackle, the ball can go anywhere, really. And Martin, because of his reading of the game, I think used to get there first and was clever enough to think that he could sort of jump the ball out of the challenge. Now, the problem with that is, and we all have got different techniques when we're challenging for the ball, the problem with that for Martin when it didn't come off was that it looked like that he had, it sort of swallowed the challenge. And I didn't see it like that at all. I'm, I mean, I'm playing alongside him. I didn't see that at all. And I'm not just going to be nice to him for the sake of this podcast. He was not a coward in the challenge. He, he wasn't. He was an excellent player. And I think he was very brave and lots of other parts of his game. For instance, getting the ball in tight situations and... The other thing is that he was so good at making runs into the box. And this is, I'm not meaning to sell supporters short here, but if he made the world-class run late into the box and the ball didn't arrive, because maybe a player like me or John Pratt didn't see the run, then there's nothing good as per his, his game. He just, the ball didn't arrive. 
had the ball arrived, then you would be at least appreciative that he, he stole a march on the opponents and found space to get into the box and then get a chance at goal. So, um, yeah, I think I think he was underdone by a, a vast majority of the crowd. And um, although, Howard, I have to say that you surprised me a little bit because from the pitch, I wasn't aware that that was happening up in the stands. So, um, so yeah, so good, good memory, Howard. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, a very good man, Martin Peters. I, I have a lot of respect for him and, and, and miss him now he's, he's gone. So um, I hope that you've all enjoyed listening to our, our memories, um, two particular, one draw and two wins. Uh, from the past. Uh, I'm sure you have lots of memories yourself too. Lots of you actually do contact me um, with your stories uh, of, of these games that we've talked about so far. Uh, Everton, Southampton, Newcastle. Uh, and I'm sure you'll do the same over this Man United subject. Um, and Keep keep sending those through, would you please? Because then it, it sparks my memory to certain events. And, you know, I can cover these when they play Southampton or Newcastle or Man United, the second game late on in the season. So keep, keep them coming, please. Um, so this has been a, a very interesting week for football and Tottenham Hotspur. Um, where it seemed like sporting common sense uh, had left the building uh, with the VAR fiasco. And, and actually, when you look at it, one draw, the first draw against Newcastle, seemed like our world had been shattered uh, because we hadn't got the three points that we obviously deserved. And that's, that was a draw. And then the second draw against Chelsea leads to a penalty shootout win. Fantastic. How did we all feel, this, you know, after that game? So a loss is a loss. A win is a win. But actually, a draw is not always a draw. The draw against Newcastle did not feel like we'd gained a point, did it, Howard? Absolutely not. It certainly didn't. And again, the draw against Chelsea didn't feel like, you know, an average game because it turned out to be a fantastic performance. So, um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. And we hope for some more good results from, from the chaps. The, the new players that have played so far look like they're settling in, which is great. And we've still got some to... to to still see. So um, I'm going to leave you with one story, one story. So this is on tour, Spurs against Manchester United in Swaziland. We go there for three games, exhibition games, but they are more important than exhibition games because there's heavy prize money involved. And the winners get invited back the following year to play Liverpool. So we draw one, we lose one, both got our full teams out there. And the last game, uh, 
we had lots of, of injuries and tiredness. This is the last, very last game of the season in Swaziland. You can imagine the heat. So I'm in the team with a lot of younger players and the third game is a draw, which doesn't settle anything. So it has to go to penalties. And I cannot let a young player take a penalty in front of me. I'm supposed to be mentally strong. I'm supposed to be the captain. Come on, Steve, you step up. And not been a particular strength of mine over the course of years. So, so yeah, so I stepped up and I take the fifth penalty out of five. And if I score, we win the tie and we're going to get invited back and win the prize money. I stride up, plant my foot, go from a corner, don't change my mind, beat Bailey, the goalkeeper. And as I turn around, players are jumping on top of me and they're patting me on the head and, and celebrating. And when I got up out of the melee, it was the bunch of Man United players on top of me. <laughs> they, they were celebrating because they did not want to go back to Swaziland. <laughs> so... I'm going to leave you with that one. If you've if you've read my book, you'd have read that story. So sorry for duplicating, but uh, I think it needed saying because it was a Man United story. So thank you, Howard, for your reminiscences. Thank you, um, Tom, for your work behind the scenes and finding that bit of Aussie uh, Aussie singing for me. And uh, look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.